Welcome to a special bonus episode edition of Broadway Broads. Special bonus episode edition? Whatever could you mean? I mean the great miracle of Passover. Ah, uh, Passover. We are doing a Passover special on what is our first non-Broadway to film adaptation, The Prince of Egypt. The Prince of Egypt, just a regular film musical that we happen to both love very much. I'm pretty sure that as long as we've been living together every year, we have watched it together come Passover. It's our tradition. It's a tradition that now we are going to share with you. The world. (laughs) (laughs) And because this is our first and only so far non-musical film, I'm going to take the reins today. And I've done some research and found some fun, fun facts and things to talk about. All things Prince of Egypt. What? Role reversal. I know. Don't worry, Steph. You can take a load off. Even though there's a fun fact in here that may have you considering maybe you should have taken the role. The role of the researcher? Yes. Oh. You'll see. Oh. Anyway. Okay. But I will say we should start with, because normally we record a, a pre, uh, pre-watch little segment, but uh, we've already seen it because Passover was on Friday. Also, and, we watch it every year. <laughs> and we watch it every year, so there really isn't any pre-episode recording to do. Well, let's, well, let's talk about our history with the film a little bit more sure. before we dive in. Okay. So, oh, I saw it in theaters. Did you really? Yeah, my mom and I, we were talking about it. And she said, I remember taking you to the theater in 1998. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so I saw it in the theaters as a child, as a good Jew does, because I do remember it being kind of like all the rage in, you know, the Jew sphere at the time. But um, I don't think I really watched it again At least not much until I lived with you. (laughs) Did you love it instantly? You just kind of watched it, enjoyed it, and then put it away? I think so. I think as a kid I watched it, enjoyed it, and put it away. Hmm. So I also saw Prince of Egypt in the movie theater. This was a big deal for me because it was the very first movie in a movie theater that I had ever seen. And I went... Well, I I should say I was allowed to go for a birthday party. I love that someone had a birthday party, uh, Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt birthday party. I know. Hilarious. Um, I mean, I wonder what other kid-friendly movies were coming out at the time. but, But yeah. And boy, howdy, did it blow my mind. (laughs) Were you in love from first sight? I was first listen. so deeply in love with the animation and the music uh, and the, the scene of parting the Red Sea was like, I remember sitting in that theater as a child and being like, this is why people like movies. <laughs> um. It took them a very long time to make that scene, by the way. Did it? Oh, I can't wait for all the movie know-how. That was a really big deal at the time. 
1998 to do that kind of uh, CGI. And also they, they did a combination of CGI and traditional animation. And it really, like, you can tell. Mm, you can and, tell. And now watching it as an adult, like, I really appreciate the animation in a way now that I really couldn't have as a kid, you know? Yeah. Everything was kind of on an equal playing field through a kid's eyes. And now, like, when I look at it, it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful to look at. Beautiful to listen to. I loved it instantly. And you know what? I still love it. I'm 31 years old. I watch Prince of Egypt every year. This is my truth. (laughs) I am 30 years old and I watch the Prince of Egypt every year. This is my truth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, would you like to give us a, a brief overview of the story? Oh, okay. Also known as Passover. I was going to leave that to you since you're so good at the summaries. Oh. But I can I can handle the, the higher level. If In case you have been living under a rock for the last 2,000 years, um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you have some understanding of what the story entails. But in case you missed it, um, do you want me to take it? Oh, yeah, I'm just going to sit back and react to you in this episode. You're going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm going to do all the heavy lifting. Here we go. Oh, it's so heavy, my back. (laughs) (laughs) This film, The Prince of Egypt, is a pseudo-adaptation of the Book of Exodus, and it follows the life of Moses um, from being a baby, where his mother, Yocheved, puts him in the river to escape the persecution of being a slave in Egypt where he is found and adopted by um, the pharaoh and his wife and it chronicles him as a prince of Egypt to ultimately um, in the case of the prince of Egypt discovering his Jewish identity and leaving his post and returning as um, his ultimate destiny to lead the people out of Egypt and into Israel, ultimately, and uh, give us our freedom. Let my people go. Let my people go. If you don't know mm. anything, I'm sure you know let my people go. Come Powerful on. words. <laughs> um, and uh, that's about it. By the end of the story, uh, the Jews are no longer slaves in Egypt, and uh, we're getting the Ten Commandments. And that's pretty much where the story in the Prince of Egypt ends as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd I do? I did pretty good. I know I glossed over a whole lot of stuff. Like plagues. Plagues, mostly. Mostly plagues. Ma- mostly plagues, <laughs> but, uh, you know. But, yeah, no, great summary. Uh, great reminder for everyone out there. And uh, do you want to take it just, like, straight into fun facts? I guess so, because it kind of brings me to the first of the fun facts. I'm going to try and take this in some kind of order, which is that... Uh, Former Disney chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg was the one who was really the brainchild of all of this. He used to work at Disney, and then he left to form DreamWorks with two other people. That's kind of the derivation of DreamWorks. And he kept saying to Michael Eisner, the CEO of Disney, back when he was in Disney, he's like, we need to do a Ten Commandments movie. Like He kept saying, we need to do like an updated version of Ten Commandments or an animated Ten Commandments. He kept pitching it to Disney who rejected it, obviously. So <laughs> when Jeffrey Katzenberg left Disney to do DreamWorks, he was like, we got to do this movie. And it's actually the first feature uh, animated film that they produced. 
it's not the first one they released because they actually released Ants with a Z before then. Which I completely forgot about. Yes, they released that in October, I believe, and they released Prince of Egypt in December, but it was its first traditionally animated feature. Wow. Isn't it crazy to think that DreamWorks isn't even that old? It's not even that old. So that was the first little fun fact. First ever for DreamWorks. Wow. Um, It was directed by Brenda Chapman, Steve Hickner, and Simon Wells and their directorial debuts. But the interesting part of this is that Brenda Chapman was the first woman to co-direct an animated movie from a major movie studio. Huzzah! Break those glass ceilings. She also worked on Beauty and the Beast at Disney and The Lion King. Wow. They took a lot of people from Disney for this. Well, that makes complete sense because of who broke off and started DreamWorks. But also, if you think about it, Disney had such a monopoly on animated films in the 80s and 90s i guess well forever forever I guess. but mostly yeah yeah so it's kind of crazy that that monopoly was only broken up in the 90s by dreamworks and then later pixar right which brings me to another point here it was it became the most successful non-disney animated feature of all time for some time with good reason until it was broken by Chicken Run, which was also a DreamWorks production. Which I also completely forgot about. But then, you know, DreamWorks went on to make Shrek, Madagascar, How to Train Your Dragon, etc., oh. etc. Et the film Prince of Egypt grossed $218 million worldwide. Wowza. But it had a budget of $70 million, which at the time was one of the most expensive animated films ever made at $70 million. They made it for $70 million? They made it How for 70 much million. did they make off of it? It grossed $218 million. $218. So I thought they would have had a bigger profit than that, actually. I mean, they probably made a lot after the DVD release also. I mean, think about That's your time. That's very you know, true. VHS and DVD. It doesn't stop at the box office. Exactly. And you know what? I would buy that movie. If it were not available streaming for free, I would buy that movie. (laughs) Actually, I might buy that movie now that I'm saying that out loud. (laughs) Let's buy it. (laughs) Um, So as more fun facts go, our film features songs written by two brilliant musical Jews, Stephen Schwartz, and the score was composed by Hans Zimmer. Oh, Hans Zimmer. Maybe that's why I like it. Maybe that's why, because Hans Zimmer is obviously the legendary composer who is a German Jew whose mother survived the Holocaust by escaping to England. Brilliant. They actually recorded all the music in London also. Did they? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Zimmer is responsible for The Lion King also. Mm. And then Stephen Schwartz has also written for Wicked as well as Disney classics like Pocahontas and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Well, I was obviously set up to love this. Obviously. (laughs) Well, then we get to the cast. And the cast is just incredible. Give me that Sandy Bullock. The voice cast consists of Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Wow. Wow. Wow, what a lineup. Wow. Wow. I know. Um, Let me give you some alternate people real quick. Oh, hit me. Um, James Earl Jones was considered for the role of Jethro. Okay. That makes sense, right? Yeah. 
Je- uh, Jeremy Irons and Ian McKellen were considered for the role of Seti. Sure. Uh, Michael J. Fox, David Foley, and Scott Bakula were considered for the role of Aaron. Okay. This one I feel like makes sense. Ellen DeGeneres was considered for Miriam. Okay, yeah. I guess I could see I could that. I could see that. I like Sandy Bullock as, as is. I agree. I agree. I don't know if I believe this one, but apparently Jennifer Aniston was considered for the role of Sephora. Mm, mm. That feels weird. Mm. Leonardo DiCaprio, Dennis Quaid, and Mark Wahlberg were all considered for the role of Moses. Just wrong. It does feel very wrong. wrong. I don't want Leonardo DiCaprio to be my Moses. Um, Robert De Niro and Gary Oldman were considered for the role of Ramses. That I see. Carol Burnett was considered for the role of Tuya. Okay. And Cheech Marin was considered for the role of Hotep and Tommy Chong for the role of Hui. No. No. I don't believe in that. That's no. too far. I don't You've believe gone this too either. far. I don't think that can be right. I mean, you can't put Cheech and Chong next to Martin and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Martin and Martin. <laughs> I don't believe that. I would that. say all in all, I'm I'm very happy with the cast we ended up with. I'm really happy with the cast we ended up with. I think everyone did a great job. Do you want to know what I want to know next? What do you want to know next? I want to know who sang and who didn't? I have that here. Of course actually. you do. I have an idea, but so only five of the actors did singing and speaking parts. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess who who did them? Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short Correct. did their own singing. Correct. Who else did their own singing? Michelle Pfeiffer. Correct. Um, I have two more to go. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus! It's like who sings in the movie? the The guy who plays Zipporah's father. No, he does not sing. Oh, shoot. Um, I don't think it's any of the main people. Oh, Ralph Fiennes sings his own part. That's the one you're missing. The other one is um, Ofra Chaza, who was Yotaved. Well, I knew she sang on the soundtrack, but I didn't realize they counted her as that character. But I guess both parts. She, she speaks I, and sings. I don't remember her speaking. Okay, so I got really close. She, you got very close. She doesn't speak very much. That's why. That's why she I don't remember. She pretty much just sings. Which brings me to my next point about Ofra Chaza. Oh my goodness. Can I just say that I adore her and my love of Prince of Egypt has thrust me down many a musical rabbit Have hole? Have you been listening to her music? Because, you know, I like, grew up on this stuff. You know, my I... My mom listens to it. I've thought about asking you because I, yeah. I guess I would assume that you would grow up listening to it but yeah no I've listened to like a lot of her albums not only is she Israeli but she's Yemenite exactly and, and so of course that gives you like my mom definitely listens to it because Nikki's mom is Yemenite yes gotta say that for the audience for the audience my mom is Yemenite Ofra Chaza is a well-known pop star in Israel and composer Hans Zimmer was the one who brought her on board um, they thought that she was so striking that they actually even modeled the animation of the character after her. She was striking. And what is really cool is that you can hear Ofra Chaza sing Deliver Us, the opening song, in the following languages. She sings the whole song in English, French, Dutch, German, Greek, Swedish, Italian, Norwegian, Spanish, Czech, Finnish, Hungarian, Polish, Portuguese, and of course, Hebrew. Wow, she sings all of those languages. The song when in those international versions. Yeah, isn't that incredible? She's amazing, and I would encourage everyone to go look her up and listen to her some of her music. Because I'll probably play some for a break. Maybe I'll throw some in. 
Oh, oh. Yeah, let's throw some off of that. Her non Prince of Egypt music? Yeah. Oh my gosh, throw it in. I love that. She's great. And honestly, her voice and that style of singing is one of the sounds that made me fall in love with this movie when I was a child. It just like, I don't know, hit something in me. You need me. more Mizrahi music in your life because they all do that. I know, I do. And you know what? I have. I've, I have found it. <laughs> I wonder who you've been discovering behind my back. I don't even know. Basically, whoever Spotify leads me to. Okay. When I'm, you know, in one of those moods. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to look at Spotify. <laughs> um, one more interesting fact about Ofrahaza. She recorded the famous River Lullaby while singing to a baby doll. She literally put a baby doll in her hands to sing to it as to get the emotion. That is true artistry. True artistry. Um, other quick stuff about voices and the voice actors. Steve Martin and Martin Short were the only people to record their parts together, like in the same room. Oh, yeah. They physically recorded in the same space. It makes sense because their song is really playing off of each other. But normally people don't do that. I think they like really wanted to have their Well, yeah, their besties also. Yeah, their besties. And finally, uh, the voice of God was a thing that they struggled with a lot. As far as voices go, one idea they had was to have all of the cast kind of like whisper talk it and have it be like an amalgamation of all of their voices. That's interesting. But they thought that that sounded kind of weird and creepy when they actually did it. Probably, yeah. So they ended up going with Val Kilmer to suggest the kind of voice we hear inside our own heads and in our everyday lives. Makes a lot of sense. Man is the measure of all things. Therefore, you are the measure of the world you perceive. But apparently under that, they did keep some of the other casts speaking the same words, and you can kind of hear it. And like an echo, like a slight echo. echo. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very, very cool. Am I falling further in love with this movie? Yes. I think I might. Um, it was once the most expensive animated film ever made animated film it was one of the first to combine traditional animation and CGI like we're still in pretty early days of CGI with this movie so they uh, did a combination which is why like you can really see the details because those are mm. actually still traditionally animated it included 350 artists from 34 different nations primarily recruited from Walt Disney to do the animation. Mm-hmm. There are 1,100 scenes in the film, and almost all of them contain work done by a special effects department. Isn't that crazy? They animated everything in the animated scene, including blowing wind, dust, shadows, just everything to get you all those little details, like when the hair flicks, when the wind goes. Just really detailed stuff. Just hearing you talk about this honestly makes me want to watch it again. I guess we're watching it again. It makes me want to watch it again. (laughs) But I mean, it's... Okay. So I haven't seen the new Lion King, and I really don't intend to. Same. But that is like all new technology to make it look crazy realistic CGI style whatever. They like invented a new rendering whatever technology to make like individual hair on the lines and stuff and i respect that and that's cool 
but it just doesn't hold the same artistry. You can't get facial expressions. Yeah, it just doesn't hold the same artistry that animation traditionally has. I'm not interested in seeing what like could look like an animatronic do like mouth right. movements. I'm not interested. I you, don't... you need the facial expressions of the Lion exactly. King to give them the anthropomorphic qualities. Exactly. That's why we relate to them because they feel human, not because they feel yes. more like lions. I don't want to see what the computer can render because the computer doesn't have a soul. No soul computers. But the animator does, and like you, you see that in animation. That was my segue. Sorry. My. No, it's all good. This is about the Red Sea here. The four-minute parting of the Red Sea. Ugh, one of my favorites. Took ten animators two years to complete. Two years. Two years Such respect. I want to write them a letter. Thank you notes. <laughs> Since it was the most highly anti- one of the highly anticipated movies of 1998, this was something I thought you might like. It was sent to theaters under the title Edgar Allan to disguise the real title of the name before the world premiere. Do you know why they named it Edgar Allan? Why? Because Poe, P O E, is Prince of Egypt. Oh my God, I do love that. That's so Didn't cute. You love that. I love, love that. that. I love stuff like that. And it won. Best Oscar, or Best Oscar, Oscar for Best Original Song, which was performed by Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. I totally remember watching that Oscars and both of them coming out in the same black dress. That was like the thing. You remember watching that? I remember watching that Oscars and both of them, their shtick was that they were wearing the same dress. I don't know if I watched the Oscars when I was that young, to be honest. I remember seeing it for sure when when they performed it in 1999. Wow. It was also nominated but did not win for Best Original Musical or Comedy Score. Wow. Um, I can't believe I was that young when it came out. That's that's about it. Those are your fun facts. That's, That's what I got. Wonderfully done. One more thing. I cannot believe I almost forgot this. The Prince of Egypt has been turned into a stage production. I truly cannot believe that you almost forgot to say that. I can't believe I forgot. I have a big old section here. Nikki, tell me more. Into a stage production. The theatrical Prince of Egypt was scored by Stephen Schwartz also, and it expanded to 10 new songs for the stage show he gave. There's Five numbers from the film and ten new songs for the stage show. So a total of 15? Yes. Because there's only like eight songs in the movie, right? I don't know exactly how many there are, but he said he wrote ten new songs for the stage show. Um, And Philip Lezebnik adapted his original screenplay for the stage as well. He... Adapted it to offer a closer look at internal Egyptian politics while minimizing the role of divine intervention. So it seems as though the stage production might be a little more political and a little less biblical. Okay, I am also just looking on Wikipedia right now. And the stage musical made its West End debut. I was just getting there. Oh, I'm so sorry. You, You say it. It's fine. It actually debuted originally at TheaterWorks Silicon Valley in 2017. That's when it first made its debut. And then it played runs in Denmark and Utah. Then in London, it began on the horrible time of February 5th, 2020. (laughs) 
But that is before everything shut down. So a few people got to see it. A few it. people got to see it, but very quickly changed. <laughs> very qu- I mean, very quickly. I am one of the people who suffered from COVID ruining my Broadway experiences. Yes, it made its West End debut at the Dominion Theater and had an official opening on February 25th. I don't know how long it ran, but now performances are expected to resume in February 2021. <laughs> and do you know what that means, Nikki? We're going. We're going to London. We're going to London! <laughs> okay, now I'm really done with fun facts. We're really taking a break. And we're back to talk about more Prince of Egypt, the the music, the music. We're now da- we're now we're on the musical parts, and since there's only eight musical numbers, since this is more of a movie than a musical, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll touch on each one of them, starting with the most epic introduction. What an opening! I mean, what an opening! Yeah. Deliver us. Deliver us. The first song of the movie, our introduction to time and place. I love this song. I was hooked immediately as a child and as an adult. I mean, it's such a great setup situation where you have uh, the camera showing you everything that's going around as far as the setup in Egypt, the people, the slaves coming in and singing, the sweat on my brow, can you hear my people cry, and you get introduced to basically the entire setup in this one song that is also freaking people to deliver us to a promised land (sighs) they really nailed it they really nailed it nailed it on that one and when you have Ofra Chaza ending at the end with the I don't even want to attempt it Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that that ending with the way that she does the Mizrahi singing that I can't do. One of my uncles can do it. Really? Yeah. My Side note. At my sister's bat mitzvah. <gasps> you know how, like, you're a really awkward 13-year-old and, like, everything's embarrassing? Yes. My uncle came from Israel for the bat mitzvah. And I remember at one point, he just hijacked the microphone and started Yemenite singing. Wait, at Sarah's? At Sarah's. Oh, if only it were Becky's, because I was at Becky's. No, it was at Sarah's. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Wow. I mean, he's an incredible singer, so of course it's wonderful, but also just to have, like, your uncle Yemenite singing randomly at your bat mitzvah. (laughs) That's amazing. It was incredible. Okay, anyway, so Ofra Chaza. Just amazing. Ah, yeah. 
I feel like a lot of this episode is just going to be me gushing over how much I love it. So I'm sorry. I have sorry really, really nothing to bring to the table. I have nothing <laughs> I can give to the table. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the same camp just because this opening sequence is so incredible. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. Yeah. It's amazing. All right. Up next. River Lullaby. We're sending Moses down the river. Down the river in a basket. This is a fun song to watch play out because you travel down a Nile-like river. Um, And as the music changes in tone, so does the scene. And there are peaceful parts. There are tumultuous parts, scary parts. Um, And then he lands peacefully in the... I don't know what you even call that. Palace? The palace and the steps garden? go down into the garden. the stream. I don't know. It's quite lovely, though, architecturally. <laughs> it was nice. <clears throat> so, yeah, that whole song is about um, the best chance that I can give my baby Moses to survive is to trust in God and send him down the river. sequence until uh, all I ever wanted I know looking at this list of only eight musical numbers I'm surprised because it doesn't feel like that but I think that's a testament to the score of the film the score is so strong that you don't feel any absences between them and also it's they've got really strong scenes between all of those you know from the river lullaby we fast forward to Moses being like a young man and we get the whole chariot sequence and you get the whole setting up of him and Ramses, you know, being brothers, considering themselves brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have like a quite a lot in there before you get to the reveal that uh, Moses is Jewish, which leads to all I ever wanted. Yeah, yeah. You push through a lot of narrative very quickly. But, you know, considering that there's only what they would deem eight songs where people are singing oh testament to the score and how strong it is throughout the whole film it really carries you through everything you don't notice you don't notice the the lack of singing i guess if you will in our sing talk ratio definitely a lower than 50 percent sing talk ratio though i know but you just don't feel it i know i thought it was great (laughs) ah (laughs) jeez Um, I love All I Ever Wanted. It's, it's, oh, it's one I of those. love All I Ever Wanted. Who sings it? Um, Amik Braham. Definitely not Val Kilmer. Definitely not Val Kilmer. It's but not you know, Val Kilmer. that voice is a dreamy voice. Did, did you find that as well? When no, you I listen to that guy sing All I Ever Wanted, it's just like, wow, he's dreamy. All I Ever Wanted. Fumes of incense, graceful rooms of alabaster stone, all I ever wanted. This is my home. I also thought it wasn't that big of a stretch, side note, to think that that could be Val Kilmer's singing voice. Similar 
tenors in their voice, like I some, guess. I, hate, I don't hate it, but you can always tell, like, when there's somebody talking and then they're singing and there's a huge disparity. Yeah. This one was pretty, pretty close. It, it was smooth. Pretty smooth. Pretty smooth transition. It was smooth. Yeah. Love that song. Just love that song. Love him running around the palace and... Mm-hmm. So all I ever wanted is the song that happens when Moses starts to realize that he is not really a part of Pharaoh's family. And this shakes him a little bit. But then you also get the sense that a piece of him has always known. And he's convincing himself that the life that he has thought that was true this whole time really was all he ever wanted. It was great. Who could complain? Um, Prince of Egypt, come on. I know. He's a sovereign prince of Egypt. He's got trappings and things and whatever, belongings. But there's a piece of him that always knew that something was missing. So is the news that he is not a part of Pharaoh's family, that he's actually Jewish and is in now a position to fight for his people, is that truly all he ever wanted? I see what you were doing there. Yeah, you see that? I see what you're doing there. What, what is what is what he ever wanted? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If somebody told me, like, hey, remember everything you were and think you are? Scrap that. You're going to go do this other really major thing. I would be a little confused, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would need some clarification. <laughs> which leads us to uh, the, in the movie, the accidental killing of an Egyptian slave master mm-hmm. as Moses is kind of running around. What is he like? He's freaking he's out. Fre- he's freaking out, man. He's freaking out. He's, freaking he's out like, man. he's, oh, he's outside the, the building of the pyramids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they have all this scaffolding up and slave masters are being cruel as they are wont to do. And there's a slave master whipping this like older Jewish slave. And in the movie, Miriam wants to step in and defend him because she's a badass. And Aaron is like holding her back because she's going to get herself in trouble. And all of those factors kind of just like snap inside Moses. So he like, he runs up and he just means to like push them away from each other but he ends up pushing the slave master off of the scaffolding where he falls to his death interesting fact real quick in the movie they actually considered making it miriam to be the slave that he was going to save from the slave master oh but could we handle a woman being beaten i think Uh, not. it was more they didn't want moses to kill the slave master because he was saving her they wanted it to be separate from from his family. family. Yeah. That makes sense because it's like I, establishing the connection to a people. Correct. Rather you know? than the connection to the connection. Right. So. So after that, understandably, Moses freaks out hard and runs away into the desert where he wanders and wanders until. He finds Jethro. And Sephora, who is introduced to us earlier in the film, but I don't think that's true to the, the reality. She's yeah. introduced as like a prize for Ramses or whatever, but uh, he really finds her in the desert with Jethro and the, the desert people. He hangs out with the desert folk. Actually, 
I just realized like that whole Sephora storyline where she's presumably captured in the desert, taken to the city and mm-hmm. like offered up as a prize to the prince. That's a very mature storyline. Very mature. And then Ramses is like, I don't want her. Give her to Moses. Have her taken to his chamber. Like, whoa. Very adult. That's, that's some, very adult. That's some very adult content. Not a, not for kids. Nope. But I also don't think that's actually... I think they just needed to introduce her in some kind of way. Which, right. Like this... Whatever, man. <laughs> but Sephora ends up being Moses' wife as well. Which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Weddings are great. <laughs> but in the desert, Moses finds his place in this family. He becomes a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hangs out with Jethro. Hangs like out with Jethro, who sings the, the, the head of the tribe. Yeah. yeah, head of the family, head of the tribe, head of the desert, head of the desert. <laughs> sings maybe my favorite song. Is it your favorite? It might be my favorite. I listened to this song a lot as a kid. Really? Yeah, I love this song. I feel like. I was definitely more drawn to like deliver us when you believe all I ever wanted. Ma- oh, and the plagues. Oh God, do I just love every song in this movie? Every single one. Okay, so let me rephrase that. Um, the song is called "Through Heaven's Eyes" that Jethro sings, and I don't think I ever gave it enough credit until we just watched it this past week. I think I had, I don't know, maybe a slight aversion to it because of the strong heaven presence in it but that's my own religious trauma speaking (laughs) (laughs) doesn't have to be literal (laughs) no but i mean i I don't know uh but this past week when we watched it and i listened to that song i don't know i'm having a hard time right now in life and that song just like it's so joyous i just love it when you have his voice is so deep and rich and and how can you feel when na 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 like it's a great like beat and it's a great melody and what he builds or buys and then you have that breakdown the la 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 and that just reminds me of like all of my family reunions It's just like watching them do the do a, a circular dance and really um, it's just so enriching to to the story and to the people and it really creates like a depth of culture and and gives you a lens into that in a way that I don't think the rest of the movie really celebrates you know like certain traditions the way that this one does that's very true that's a very good point from a cultural perspective this is really showcasing that like yemenite bedouin type of culture that's present in this story and then just from a lyrical perspective it is a really joyous beautiful song all about getting outside of yourself and realizing that you're a single thread in this giant tapestry. Love that tapestry, line. though its color brightly shine, can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. And the stone that sits on the very top. Like you're not alone. You're part of the fabric of the community. 
and to also just get outside of yourself and look at who you are and your life through heaven's eyes <laughs> or really just like through a broader lens where you know we're we're down on ourselves so much as humans you know we get in our head and everything is terrible life is hard things happen you it's easy to get bogged down in that but remove yourself from mm-hmm. that perspective humble yourself realize that you're part of a bigger thing and like god would never say bad things about you so why are you saying bad things about you Pretty much. you know it's like Ugh, what a positive even song. he who tries he like there's even that kind of line like even you're trying you know is is good enough um i love this song it it just i just want to dance to it i just want to like it makes me smile it makes me want to listen to it again when I'm done. <laughs> it's just one of those earwormy type joyous joys that I, I love. The instrumentation, the singing, the whole nine yards. There is a Casey and JoJo version on the soundtrack as well. They had to uh, add some contemporary versions of some of these songs to the soundtrack to give it a little more, I think. I disagree um, with that strategy. Well, that's what they did. But also... <laughs> hate it this is the best og for life honestly never listen to any pop version of a song that comes out of this movie just watch the movie it's so good just just as it is watch it every time just to listen to the song yeah just watch the whole thing watch it every year with us (laughs) we'll see you next year um all right let's move on Okay, so during Moses' time in the desert, being a shepherd out with his flock, he follows a stray sheep into a little cave situation. Burning bush. Lo and behold, he stumbles upon a burning bush. Burning bush. Totally weird, right? Yep. This is where you hear his Val Kilmer as God, and you kind of get that sequence of the talking to God and him saying, you need to go back, Moses, and, you know deliver your people but god i don't know how to do that i'm just moses you will do it with my wonder take this staff and with it you will do my wonders and boy does he and he gets a staff he heads his ass back to egypt (laughs) i think they're in egypt this whole time he heads his ass back to the city (laughs) back to the city hops on the train (laughs) just gets on the train back to the city and is like hey guys i'm back and when this big rumor he's like hey i'm back turns out his brother ramses is now pharaoh that feels like a little thing that happens. And mm-hmm. and Ramses is totally excited to see Moses. He loves Ramses Moses. My long lost brother back again. What's up? Where have you been? How's life? And Moses is like, sorry, bro. I got to cut to the chase here. You got to let my people go. Yeah. Like, I love you too, key key, but this but is ridiculous. We got to get my people out of here. Yeah. Let I've come to save my people. Let my people go. Let my people go. And uh, Ramses is like, oh, you're hilarious until he realizes he's serious. But then he goes from like being happy to being like, well, threatening time. You've got wonders. And he does. Well, first Moses has to to do do the wonders. He makes this. Ramses is all like, make me. Show me what your God got. And so the staff becomes the snake. And then in response, Ramses is like, oh, that's nothing. Look at what my gods have. And we get. 
playing with the big You're boys. You're playing with the big boys now. Playing with the big boys now. Oh, that's pretty. Every spell and gesture tells you who's the best. You're playing with the big boys now. You're playing with the big boys now. And we get Steve Martin and Martin Short doing essentially magic tricks. So not even like true wonders, but kind of trick of the eye, sleight of hand, chemical reactions. Well, like poofs and poofs like, smoke and screens. fakery. Yeah. General fakery. I did like the, in the beginning how they open it with like the different Greek, uh, Greek Egyptian gods, like Ra. Mm-hmm, and they had mm-hmm. another one. I don't remember what they all were, but. Neftis, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good reminder that the Egyptians are polytheistic and the Jews are monotheistic. Right, so it's kind of like my gods versus your god. Yeah. And they have like a little little battle. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's like not my favorite, but I don't hate it also. It's not, it's not like a song to listen to. It's really a, a nice narrative moving kind of song to me. More than like something I would listen to on the regular, but it is a nice comic kind of relief break. It's fun to hear the Martins <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> together mm-hmm. and performing it, and um, yeah, I, it's it's a good sequence. It's a good sequence, yeah. But we're also just establishing that like they don't take Moses and the power of God and those miracles seriously yet. Great segue. They don't take it seriously. And then Moses, you know, has his talk with God. And God's like, we're going to have to step our game up here. Try again, Moses. We're going to try again. And so commences the plagues, Mm -hmm. which is our next sequence. Mm -hmm. So we start off with Ramesses rolling down the river in a boat. Again, hey, brother, let my people go. Ha, yeah, right, Moses. Catch it on the flip side. And Moses turns the river into blood. This freaks out some of the common Egyptians, but Ramesses refuses. Not enough. Not enough. He refuses to be freaked out by this. And then we get this awesome song that just kind of rolls in. You start quiet with... I send my pistolins and you know, you get a choir going and they're almost like whisper singing and they go from this very soft chanting and rising into this big like I send oh yeah, crescendo, good word. They, they chant through all of the plagues, um, and then they, like, crescendo into, like, a thus saith the Lord refrain, and it's, like, it's really powerful. And the animation starts to get really dark, and we're all culminating into, like, the death of the firstborn that's going to happen. Right. So it really is, like, intensifying and intensifying. Until you get to this part where after the firstborn, like, is it, I don't know if it's before or after where you have like Ramses and Moses and like side by side and you kind of see Ramses like in a distant shot in the palace and you kind of see them next to each other and he's like, there's that Christian where he's like, I will never let your people go. I will not let your people go. 
quiets and you get silence and it's like before the slaying of the first one exactly. that, that happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it quiets down and you get that kind of eerie silence and just almost the sound of wind and it's kind of one of the only silent portions of the film. But it's the Passover. Right. It's when and then I think Val Kilmer does a little voiceover as far as saying like you have to put the lamb's blood above your door and he kind of reads the instructions and mm-hmm. you see the people of the city doing what he says to do and then you know like god quote unquote coming down and through and passing through yeah where then we see ramses mourning over the son the loss of his son which mm-hmm. moses you know shows up for and you know then he's like go take get out of here and go gone get gone get and uh they get they get they get getting no time for your bread to leaven matzah (laughs) (laughs) um and then we get the scene of everybody like packing up everybody getting ready to go and the people start marching out yeah moses be leading them out so you start to see this caravan of people and it's Really lovely because, you know, the old people and the young people and everyone's helping each other and everyone is like timid at first and then joyous because it's really happening this time. We're really getting out of here. And that's when you believe. There can be miracles. When you believe. And uh, though hope is frail. It's hard to kill. It's hard to kill. Oh, God, love it. It's such a great song. But it also, it starts... And then the pursuit happens, right? Right. So when you believe starts during that whole caravanning sequence, I believe, and they get to, it's when they get to the Red Sea, the song is still kind of... Instrumental, right? Instrumental, right. So Mm -hmm. the lyrics cut out and uh, the Red Sea opens. The Red Sea parts. And that was my favorite part of the movie when I was a kid because it's a beautiful scene of like the the walls of water and there's like lightning strikes Mm -hmm. and the lightning illuminates what you see in the water and there are like these whales that are like swimming (laughs) controversial could be sharks could be sharks yes i actually read about that somebody was trying to point out if it was a whale or a shark and what did they say that it couldn't have been a whale. Well, yeah, it could not have been a whale, but <laughs> but whale is a, a prettier thing to look at. <laughs> but yes, they cross through, and at some point... Are as, there... Sorry. Are there sharks in the Red Sea? I don't think so. Maybe. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. Okay, sorry. Continue. It, it's as they're crossing through the Red Sea that they see Ramses and the army coming. Right. They've decided to pursue them after all. Yeah, Ramses is like, wait, why did I just let my those people go? I'm like, wait, I'm not done building pyramids yet. Wait, wait who's going to who's gonna do that? <laughs> I can't afford to pay for labor. Uh, if they go, who's left? <laughs> so he's like, wait, no. And as he's chasing after them, uh, the people start moving faster. And uh, as they're exiting... The, the Red Sea starts unparting. <laughs> starts caving in caving on itself. In, caving in on itself and uh, the Egyptian soldiers and 
Pharaoh drowning them, mm-hmm. swallowing them into the Red Sea, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And then I do they sing after that? Yeah, well, Ramesses gets flung onto a rock like in the middle of the Red Sea and he just yells, Moses! Yeah, that was a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see um, everyone who matters has made it to the other side. And then they start to take up singing When You Believe Again. Right. And that's when we get your favorite little section, which is uh, Ashir Adonai, He Who Saves Us, and all that good, good stuff. Mm. What did I say it was called? The Song of the Sea? Mm-hmm. The Song of the Sea. Also known as Micha Bocha. Or whatever other kinds of songs that it is called under. But basically, um, they sing it in Hebrew. It translates to roughly sing to God. He is our savior, our warrior. He drowns the people in the sea. Yay, yay, yay. We're free, we're free, we're free. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Huzzah. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> we are free. We are free. And movie. And scene. <laughs> so, Stephanie. Yeah, Nikki? How many... Mm, crowns? Would you you went with crowns? Why not pyramids? Pyram- pyramids. That Why makes not way more sense. snake staffs? Why not... Um, Oh. <laughs> camels? <laughs> camels. Thank camels. You. I was trying to think of something support related. <laughs> camels is perfect. Camels? Um oh, let's go with how, pyramids. How many chariot races? Uh how many um missing noses? Commandments. Oh Sorry. hey. <laughs> I give this ten out of ten commandments. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it a three out of three pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> we clearly love this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, like, why are you listening to this? Go watch the movie. Yeah, go watch it right now. What Please. was it on? We watched it on Peacock, didn't we? We watched it on Peacock. It is free on Peacock. There are uh, just a handful of commercials. I think there was a handful of commercials, but it was totally doable. Totally It is free doable. 99 on Peacock. This movie holds up from 1998 to 2021 prince of egypt prince of egypt for the win it holds up after an annual viewing of it for a good 15 years of my life (laughs) same i mean i'm still mesmerized by the animation and especially reading as to how many like they had like a thousand different uh animated background scenes that they interwove throughout stuff like just tons and tons and tons of work and animation went into this project and again we're in 2021 but the animation in this feels as modern and crisp and as good as ever if not better because we've we've over cgi'd shit now absolutely and, and this I is feel like, like such a perfect marriage i mean do you feel like every animated film right now has the same aesthetic yes yeah i they do, do all have the same aesthetic it feels really played out and this feels fresh fresh yeah 
gosh i don't think there's an aspect of this movie that feels dated not to me not to me i really wish like i was a little older back then because it really seems like it was it was a thing you know it had it had a thing about it at the time and i don't even remember dreamworks becoming a company you know like it's weird to think about a world where dreamworks doesn't exist but this was such a big deal at the time and it's to me still is but um when you put it into the context of the time too it's just extra delicious extra delicious extra delicious i guess that concludes our special bonus episode yeah you're welcome everyone (laughs) you asked for it you didn't ask for it but we gave it anyway that's the that's what i was trying to do (laughs) you didn't ask but we did it anyway (laughs) and you're welcome Until next time, where we will actually do Little Shop of Horrors, I promise. Mm. I'm Nikki. I'm Steph. This is Broadway Broads, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.